Hello, and welcome back to The Director's Cut, brought to you by the Directors Guild of America, where each episode we bring you a new interview with one of the film industry's top directors, conducted by one of their peers. You can subscribe to our podcast on iTunes or our SoundCloud page at soundcloud.com slash The Director's Cut. This episode takes us behind the scenes of Jodie Foster's new feature film, Money Monster. Starring George Clooney and Julia Roberts, the film follows the explosive situation that develops when an irate investor hijacks the live studio broadcast of Wall Street guru Lee Gates' television show after losing everything on a stock tip. As millions watch the tense standoff on live television, Lee and his producer, Patty, work to unravel a global market conspiracy while also attempting to disarm the man, holding them hostage in the studio. Following a pre-release screening of the film at the DGA Theater in Los Angeles, Ms. Foster spoke with director Michael Apted about her work on Money Monster and her long career in film. Listen on for highlights from their conversation, including how Ms. Foster was able to fit the immense and varied amount of footage required to make the movie fit together, and her belief that her acting career spent with directors such as Martin Scorsese, David Fincher and Jonathan Demme was the best film school she could possibly have attended. Enjoy. That's nice. Well, they loved it. That's so they should. It was an extremely distinguished piece of work. <laughs> well, it's fast. It is fast. It is yes. fast. It flies by. Yeah, it? you can go see a movie and eat dinner afterwards. That's right. <laughs> a very fast So food just take meal. me back to the beginning. How did this all come to, together? Um, well, it was a script that was sent to me. Um, two producers, Dan Dubecki and Laura Almadine, who are a husband and wife team, uh, had developed the screenplay. And um, we came together and spent a couple of years working on it. Uh, brought in a wonderful writer named Jamie Linden, a young guy named Jamie Linden. And uh, we... Uh, D- despite everybody giving us pressure, we 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 spent a long time to get it right. Um, we didn't take any financing, and we didn't go to any studios, and we didn't look for development. And we didn't go out to actors. Um, and then when it was perfect, we went to one actor, and that was George. He said yes, and it was pretty fast. <laughs> so when when it first came to you, it had no, not a particular prospect of getting made yet. It was no, there was no money behind it. There, yeah, there was no money behind it. They had uh, the, the they had developed it independently, and um, and it was quite different. I mean, it was a bit more of a satire. Um, it was much smaller in scope. It felt more like a play. Um, uh, and then so so there were a lot of changes that happened. So George was the key to moving it into overdrive. Yeah, I mean, um, yes, absolutely. And and obviously, this film, you kind of need resources for this film if you're going to have cops and bombs and helicopters and uh, lots of monitors, an incredible amount of monitors and footage and that kind of thing. But, um, you know, if somebody had said to me, I'm sorry, you can only have 25 cents to make the movie, I would have, you know, gotten a cardboard box and pretended it was a TV set and we right. would have made it for that. Hmm. So when when you when the reality came to you that you were probably going to make it when George was yes came aboard, what was the thing that was sort of most scared you about it? <laughs> uh, I I I think rightfully what I uh, uh, I was scared about the jigsaw puzzle 
Um, and it is a big jigsaw puzzle. Uh, I think hopefully if you're a, an audience member and you're not looking at how all the seams are, shown, are, are sewn, um, you can just have an experience and not think about how it, how it was made. But the fact that it was all in real time, uh, meaning that there's one event that happens uh, that all these different people experience at the same time that's being shot by four cameras, broadcast cameras, and a film camera somehow has to manage to shoot that exact same piece of footage, and it has to be experienced by all these people. The jigsaw puzzle of figuring out where you are at any given time had to be done ahead of time. And um, I was scared of that. <laughs> and uh, did you lose your way ever? Um, you know, it, the, the beginning, the, 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 I think the thing that directors will appreciate about this is that, you know, everything in this film was about preparation. It's not very glamorous to say, you know, my film was incredibly prepared. Uh, but it really was all about preparation. And most of that preparation was just me and the first AD, Joe Reedy, sitting down like a couple of idiots with post-its. Yeah. You know, and that's really, that's really how you, that's the blueprint and that's how you figure out a movie. And how long prep did you have? Um, well, we had the normal amount of prep for the regular prep where everybody else is hired. Um, but the rest of it was just a bunch of unpaid people calling each other on the phone going, what are we going to do? <laughs> <laughs> um, and sure. there was a lot of that. I mean, there's a lot of technology to deal with and a lot of technology experts, you know, video, video people, video graphics people, um, trying to figure out how you do all that. Now, if I was, maybe if I was Steven Spielberg or something and I had so much money, I didn't know what to do with it, then maybe I would just put it, make a green screen for everything and assume that someone else will figure it all later, but we couldn't do that. But you did a lot of it live then. Excuse me? You did a lot of it live. A lot of the monitor work live. Uh, no, that was all pre... or Well, yeah. what Julia experiences and what anybody experiences um, had to be pre-recorded. Yeah. Um, so we had to know what we were doing before we got there. Yeah, but when you shot it, it was on the screen. You weren't you just didn't put a lot of green on the monitors no, and put no, it in. No, we almost never used we didn't use any green really for uh we did towards the end, um just just at the end stuff in Federal Hall because the footage hadn't been shot yet. And how did the cast fall into place? Um well there was George, and that was good. Um <laughs> then we <laughs> we uh we brought aboard uh TriStar, so the Sony company. Um, and then we were really in, you know, at that point we're ready to go. So we had to come up with a, uh, to, somebody to play Patty. Um, and we said, let's, let's just, George, can you please get it to Julia? So she'll say no quickly. Right. And, um, she said yes very quickly. And that was our next piece of casting. Yeah. I mean, you've got, I've never seen her as good as this. I thought, she's great. I mean, yeah. she, to me, she's in every moment. Every time you're on her, she's in, in it. Yeah, uh, but of course she was only there for eight days. And eight days. <laughs> uh, She was only there for eight days. So she had one day, uh, which is the, basically the first part, the first scene of the movie between the two of them, yeah. and one day, which is the last scene where they're together. And then other than that, they were never together. So wow. they never had the experience of seeing each other or talking to each other or looking at one another or hearing somebody off camera. Uh, that's all pretend. My God. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, hats off to actors. How do they do that? I don't know. So, I mean, you know, it was a terrific relationship on, on, in the movie. And right. to think you right. did it with smoke and mirrors is unbelievable. Right. Well, you know, extremely good actors. And, um, and Julia and George do have an interesting kind of bond that yeah. uh, maybe is the baggage that they bring from their own life that, that comes with them. But I also think it had to do with these particular characters. Um, 
Patty being uh, this multitasking, incredibly smart person who really loves this guy, even though he's a jerk, and uh, rolls her eyes at everything he says, but can't quite bring herself to leave him. And she finally has, you know, found the gumption to get another job. Um, and and Lee's character, this, uh, you know, self-involved, egotistical little boy, immature person who doesn't think about anything but himself, who's completely unconscious. And um, I don't know, that dynamic of the two of them feel, feels like they're part, they're they're two halves of the same whole, you know. Yeah. And somehow mean, together they make a hero. The cast is good all the way through. Oh, thank you. But did you do a lot of rehearsal? <laughs> no. <laughs> not at all? No, not at all, actually. Wow. Uh, we did, I think we probably had two days between um, George and Jack. Uh, so two full days with George and Jack. Um, and most of that had to do with blocking because we had to figure out the cameras. Right. Um, but that was it. Yeah, I'm not used to that. I'm I'm much more used to having more rehearsal time. Yeah. Was that scary, not having time to really figure it out with them? Um, it just meant I had to f figure it out on my own. And um, and also, try, the, the good news is, is when you're in a safe environment like a stage, um, and you don't have to worry about being rained on and yeah. all those kinds of things, you know, you'll find it in the moment because that's what actors do. Um, it, the, the bigger worries, of course, is when you go outdoors and there's lots of cars and people and paparazzi and rain and snow and all that other stuff. And how was that? Did you do all the interiors first? Uh, not all the interiors, but we did the stage work first. Yeah. Um, I wish we could have cut it up because it was, you know, it ended, it's probably 75% of the movie and it's all the dialogue in the movie. So the poor actors had to learn everything, yeah. uh, in that amount. It's like 70 pages of dialogue and, uh, that we shot in two and a half, not quite three weeks. So, yeah, <laughs> this is beyond belief. Um, yeah. So, how many days did you have to shoot that? I think it was forty. I don't know if it's forty-three or forty-four or something like that. Jeez. Yeah, and there were places to go. You know, South Africa and yeah. um, the streets of New York, and you know, um, Korea. So are you. Sh <laughs> we didn't go to Korea though. I mean. <laughs> You shot it in 44, 45 days, yeah. and it came together quickly after your yes. initial thing, and then, and then we had to put it all together. Yeah, um, yeah. I mean, you know, the, the the this is a specific type of movie. You know, it's a movie that um, hopefully can be enjoyed because it's um, a general public film um, that's fast-paced and is tense and is a thriller and has a genre to it and and two movie stars but it also um, is is such an such a sophisticated intellectually sophisticated screenplay um, and there's so many details and there's there's such ambitions about what it's trying to say I think that was the hardest thing is balancing the tone yeah. And uh, balancing those two sides, you know, something that really is a ride that's that people can climb board and have a simple experience with, but that also, if they're looking for that, that there's it's a it's a sophisticated path for a moviegoer. Yeah, I mean, the, the tone was a kind of battlefield in a sense. <laughs> battlefield, yeah. And you, you really pulled it <laughs> off. I mean, we can laugh and we can be scared and we can laugh again, and you don't lose the tension when we're laughing or you know when you're you know being comedic with the characters. I mean. Right. I would, that would have driven me mad. I mean, <laughs> well, not doing it, but just yeah. knowing to keep track of it all. 
uh, it was hard, hard to keep track of it. It really was hard to keep track of it. And also some of it is error, you know? I mean, we did spend quite a bit of time in the cutting room. I had a wonderful editor, Matt Chesse, who I love so much and I, I spent every moment with. And he really is, uh, he's really my partner in this one. Um, I, it just has got to be one of the hardest movies to edit that I've ever worked on. Uh, all that footage, you know, thousands and thousands of feet, although we don't really use real film. Um, thousands and thousands of hours. Thousands and thousands of hours of film. And um, to create something that's seamless where all the seams don't show, and there really are a lot of seams in there. Because I used to run into you at Sony. I was yes. doing my thing, and you, and you kept saying... <laughs> and I'd still be there. Uh, you said, said, still tweaking? Yes. Well, I, was, I was saying that to you, still tweaking. Right. And was there a lot of fiddling around to do with it? Well, um, I actually thought that, you know, our cuts came together relatively quickly and um, they were on time, you know, they were probably the same time that this run, the same running time. Um, but but when you have this much footage, you have that many choices. Yeah. And so there were a lot of choices about, you know, who do you want to be with more? And and also, I think, uh, getting the tone of the comedy and the thriller and, and allowing those two things to happen at the same time. And, um, you know, we did shave down quite a bit of the comedy with comedy. I always do this. You know, you shoot a lot of stuff that you think is funny, and then you get home, and you're like, that's not that funny. <laughs> <laughs> and, and the other trap was was really, you know, the sense of a love story in a way. I mean, yeah. some of it was like bringing up baby, and some of it was like, you know, the, <laughs> the big short or something like that. It was a marriage of that. And yeah, yeah. There's a lot of different things going on, and, and hopefully that's a good thing and not a bad thing. That may be a bad thing for lots of people. I mean, I think some people like to go to a movie and say, this is exactly what I'm going to see. Yeah. I'm just going to see a thriller, and that's it. But we, I, I do like, I have a lot of feelings about, um, about the tapestry of all of these ideas, and um, I like to weave them together. It's hard for me to leave one out. Yeah, because the very end scene is tricky. I mean, that's a, da a dangerous and slash brave slash crazy way to end the film like this with this kind of but you pulled it off you mean the the federal hall one or the, no, the, the hospital two of them, oh the, the two of them yes to come right. back to that after right. all this mayhem blood and guts and whatever yeah yeah and you know we could have cut all of that out I yeah. mean, you could have cut all of that out, and I'm sure at some point we've, we contemplated that. Um, but I really felt connected to, to Lee and Patty, and I felt like uh, I needed to know, you know, in some ways, I needed to, them to finally be together in the same room. They're only together in the same room for one minute of the movie. Um, so I, I, needed, I needed them to come back together again and just to have a feeling about what they took away from the experience and how they changed. And did they shoot that as part of their eight-day or whatever? <laughs> yes, they did, yes. Was, it, was, was it a tricky scene to shoot? Uh, I think it was a tricky scene to talk about. Uh, the shooting went very fast, but there was a lot of discussion, you know, and, and I think mostly, honestly, because uh, George and Julia do have a history together, and uh, it's tricky. You want to avoid... Um, being too saccharine or avoid being treading areas that they've tread before. Um, and I really saw this as um, a, really about their friendship, about the friendship of two co-workers. Mm -hmm. um, and that bond is incredibly strong. I think in some ways much stronger for me than a romantic relationship. These are two people that have been through something and uh, there's a lot of unsaid things in that scene. Yeah, and, and you um, could tell that. I mean, it was, it was wonderful yeah. to be exposed to that. There was a there was a history to it, you felt, even yeah. if you didn't know what the private life of these two had been. Yes, yes. Yeah, he's, um, you know, she she says, you know, basically tells him that she's not going to leave him. And, um, but we had to make that as, as 
So not there's a lot saccharine. of talk, and then you just and there's a lot of talk and a lot of cutting. Yeah. <laughs> Before we started shooting, the rest of the cast was great. Tell me about one who played Diana, the Irish girl who played that. Oh yes, Katrina Balfia. Some of you might know her from Outlander, the the uh, Stars show. Is it Stars? Yeah, I think it is. Yeah. Um, she's a wonderful actress, Irish. She she actually has virtually no accent. Um, she she you can barely hear her Irish accent, so I forced her to become more Irish in the movie. You did? Um, I did, and... Um, Why? So she would be more natural? Yeah, I thought that. I thought, uh, I thought, you know, why not? And also, Ireland has a, a very big technology presence, and um, I thought it was good for it to feel international. And honestly, um, there was something about uh, a foreign person who comes to the United States and works at a, at a firm, and makes that big mistake of sleeping with a boss hmm. and he's disrespectful of her and somehow that made me hate him more that she wasn't American. <laughs> There's something about her being foreign that made me feel like, well, she didn't know. Yeah. I know. She didn't know. She didn't know these guys are jerks. <laughs> so she found out in the movie. <laughs> exactly. So, and who else? What about Jack? How was he to... Jack O'Connell, the wonderful Jack O'Connell. Um, what an incredible actor he is. I think maybe the most committed actor I've ever worked with in my life. And yeah. I've worked with a lot of people. I've never worked with anybody who works as hard as he does. And is, in what is, way? How did he manifest his... Well, um, you know, he just never stops. And he never stops. And it doesn't matter how many takes or how many times he's had to scream or sweat or um, it just really comes from a really primitive place. And um, he doesn't pretend that he has any intellectual process whatsoever. It's all from his stomach. Mm. It's all physical and emotional. And um, and that's the only language he, he really wants to bring to the character. And it's why he's so powerful in all of the films that he's been in. Um, I, I wasn't looking for a young actor. I really thought that this was a role for a 35 to 40-year-old man. And I certainly wasn't looking for a Northern Englander. I mean, his accent is... I've never heard an accent that big. Um, but he came... He he, uh, he taped himself and made a tape, and I auditioned him and I on Skype, and that was it. I said yes, and that was it. I mean, you didn't have long to shoot the film. Do As a director, mm -hmm. do you shoot a lot of takes? Um, I never shoot a lot of takes, um, very rarely. Uh, sometimes when I'm working with small children <laughs> or dogs, right. animals, uh, I never do a lot of takes. And I, I mean, if there's a method uh, that, I, that I usually find myself in, I guess I prepare, 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 and over-prepare. Everybody knows what they're doing. We all talk about it a thousand times. Every detail, we talk about every detail. Everybody's in on every detail. When do you and do that? I do that all in prep and even during rehearsal process. But once I say action, it goes super, super, super yeah. fast. So but you said you didn't have much time with them. How could you do all that prep with the actors? I had not Jury. with the actors. Huh? Not I wasn't able to do it with the actors. The actors I could only have, you know, the, whatever the conversations are sure. that you have with the actors. But with everybody else, with all the technicians and with, you know, whether it's the set design or props or, you know, video or visual effects, whatever it is, there's sort of no stone unturned. And then when I say action. We go so fast yeah. that everybody's head spins. Yeah. And um, the nice thing about that is that actors don't have a chance to think. They don't have a chance to change their performance or doubt themselves and try it a different way. Or, you know, we, we go from the gut and then they have to commit to that because they're not going to get another opportunity. Yeah. So when they say, can I have another one, Jody, you say, no. no. <laughs> <laughs> not always, not always. And Jack is somebody who does, uh, he does like to have an extra one here and there. 
which I was grateful for because he's playing an unstable character yeah. and um, who, you know, screams at the drop of a hat and then the next minute he's looking sullen and, you know, can barely speak. So I really had to have a lot of choices with him so that we could manicure that instability. We talked about the actors. You assembled a great crew. Yes, I know. Aren't I were lucky? You lucky that people were free at the so right lucky. Time, I, I can't even believe how, how lucky I am. Um, make notes. <laughs> we've worked with a lot of the same people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and um, well, I I I called them. <laughs> right. I called them and tried to put them on reserve. Yeah. Um, Joe Reedy, my just the most amazing first AD ever, and what what an incredible team. I I can't imagine doing a film like this in New York City with this many police officers and and traffic and all of the problems of preparation with all the cameras uh, without somebody like Joe. Um, Matty Libatique, the director of photography, I'd worked with him on Inside Man, and yeah. I felt like he was really the right, really the right person for it. And the rest uh, are mostly the team that I've worked with before. I wonder how you brought your experiences as, as an actress into this into this process. I mean, because you were always there. I know this. Yeah. Um, and you were always alert and everything. You just must have picked up all this stuff. Well, um, I've been working since I was three, and I. I'm not sure that I had an actor's personality. I'm not sure I ever have, and um, but I've managed to get through acting without it. So, um, but I was that was the thing that always captivated me was the technical side of filmmaking and wanting to know how they got that way. So, working with amazing directors yourself. I mean, David Fincher, Scorsese, mm -hmm. uh, you know, Alan Parker, um, Spike Lee, you know, Claude Chabrol, um, was like a film school. It was the best film school anyone could ever have. Um, to be able to look behind somebody's shoulder and say, I wonder why they did that. I mean, why did they choose that? Mm -hmm. And um, I guess you just sort of unconsciously, you know, you when take all those lessons with you. When did you know that you wanted to be a director? When you were four? Um, when I was about six, <laughs> so six or seven. <laughs> I, I did a television show, and uh, the actor, the lead actor on the show was Courtship of Eddie's father, and Bill Bixby came in one day, and he was the director. And I just was amazed. I couldn't believe that the guy had been I had been acting with was now going to direct the show. And I thought, wow, well, this is what I want to do when I grow up. Yeah. Hmm. But I didn't think that I could because I was a girl. <laughs> Are you lost to acting now? No. Um, you know, 50 years in the film business, I mean, I can't imagine I'll ever stop acting. Mm. Um, but it's true that I you I had to prioritize the directing. Um, I've only directed four movies, and I started when I was 27, so that's not a lot. And um, I couldn't find a way to prioritize the directing uh, without just putting the acting on hold for a little bit. Mm. So uh, I've done that, and it feels feels really good to go back and forth. I just have to find something that's right for me. Mm -hmm. And um, I don't want to play the same thing over and over again. So I'm excited about things I'm going to do in my 60s and 70s as an actor. God willing, God willing. So, yes. <clears throat> So you, you, you described what it was when you first got the project together and what you were sort of frightened of, the jigsaw element. Was, um, I mean, what was your feeling when it was done? What had been the most difficult? What had been the most surprisingly hard for you? I think, you know, I think this, this, I don't know if it was surprisingly hard, but I think surprisingly challenging and reaffirming yeah. uh, was that maybe I, I didn't realize how dif different it is making a um, studio movie um, with as much at stake and um, that kind of, that process, that whole process. And um, 
all of the fear that goes into that and all of the opinions and all of the um, the, the the dynamic of that and I I I had per, I had a company I had produced other movies we had made a movie together that I produced and um, it all seemed to go very well and um, uh, I guess I was I was used to a certain way of doing it and and I think that um, I think that uh, I think it makes you scared because everybody else is so scared yeah. you know everybody well not scared is the wrong word I think everybody else is so um, is is always in this checks and balance mode of what will the audience want? What will the audience want? And I've never worked that way. I always feel like if you believe something is true and if you have an instinct about it and you're confident about the choices that you make, that that's probably the best way to hope that maybe you'll touch an audience member. So you, you um, told me that you were a year in post-production. Yeah. So how was that year broken up? <laughs> uh... I well, it, well, it was broken up. Well. well, no, it was. That's a good question. Actually, it's very interesting because it is. It's probably ninety percent of it was going to the cutting room, over and over and over and over and over and over again. And um, we did have a, you know, we had maybe a small reshoot, and we had um, uh, some t test screenings and stuff like that. And a very, very, very short burst of time was all the finishings. Right. And um, the finishings, it was insane because we had a release date that we were hitting that seemed like it was far away as far as I was concerned right. and that suddenly kept getting closer and closer and when we got to the end we were you know it was the nosebleed pace of you know no time to mix and working 20-hour days and um, working through every single weekend and um, uh, you know visual effects not even coming in until like a week and a half ago really a week yeah. and a half or two weeks ago or visual so effects that was, were that, coming a, in. that was a new thing for you visual effects uh, yes, yeah, it, well, I, I, you know, you always, here and there, you always have bits and pieces yeah. of visual effects on movies, and more so now that there are all these great technological advantages that right. you can do, things you can even do in the Avid, they're amazing, right. you couldn't do 10 years ago, um, but, but this film has a lot more visual effects than people will ever realize, because of all the screens. Yeah. Does it give you an appetite for visual effects? No, it absolutely doesn't. <laughs> <laughs> No, no, it doesn't. I keep telling people, I keep inviting people, you know, some of the, the, you know, the different people that worked on the film, I keep saying, I'm really excited about our Amish movie that we're doing next. <laughs> the Amish silent film. <laughs> so what are you looking to do next? Um, I have uh, sleep, I think. <laughs> yes, sleep. Um, sleep. I'm, I'm going on a press tour, <laughs> so I, I have a whole month of, you know, traveling around and talking about the movie. Yeah. Well, congratulations. Thank you. Really Thank you. Terrific Thanks. Movie. Thanks a lot. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thanks. Thanks for listening to another DGA Q&A. You can watch all of our award season Q&As on our website or our YouTube channel. You can also check out any of our preview podcast episodes from earlier this season. And stay subscribed to The Director's Cut for more Q&As and highlights from other DGA events, as well as selections from our archive. Also on our website, you can explore our visual history program with long-form oral history interviews that delve deep into the careers of veteran DGA members. Check out the program at dga.org slash craft slash visual history. And if you're enjoying the director's cut, please subscribe to it 
on iTunes or our SoundCloud page so you won't miss an episode. And leave us a review. We'd love to hear your feedback. Thanks for listening and have a great week. This podcast is produced by the Directors Guild of America. Music is by Dan Walling.